what do you pick your favorite team by? That team's got a cannon. That's a great reason to pick yeah. your favorite <laughs> league team, you know? Uh, so I've cheered for them since I was little. And so we... I cheer for the Greyhounds. I just want to put that out yeah, there. The Richmond Greyhounds, exactly. everybody this week's bonus episode of the dcl duo podcast brought to you by my path unwinding travel and uh, we got a little preview i think of a show that's going to be coming up later this week because we've got our friends drew and Haley joining us who our show later this week they'll be talking all about their mediterranean cruise with us but that cruise was so extra large, so supersized that uh, we had to have them on to talk about what they did before and after the cruise because Drew and Haley got up to some fun in both Barcelona and London. And uh, so we wanted to hear from them about that. So let me start by welcoming Drew and Haley to the show. Welcome, guys. Thank Hello. you. Thank Great you. to be here. So you started pre-cruise in Barcelona. And I remember there's a little history here as to why you did that. Because I think you were <laughs> going to fly to London and do a cruise on a different cruise line. Then you found out that flights were cheaper over to Barcelona, which blows my mind. But I think you ended up in Barcelona for some flight reasons. Is that right? Yeah. So actually, we were scheduled to go on the on the Odyssey of the Seas on Royal Caribbean out of Barcelona. But flights are cheaper through London if you are coming out of Charlotte. There's a nice direct mm. flight from Charlotte to London. And then you can do like a British Airways flight from London to Barcelona. So that's how we ended up in London at the end of our cruise but we did fly into Barcelona and I have been to Barcelona before. I studied abroad in Spain in college in Sevilla. So I had been to Barcelona for the weekend before. Um, but Drew had not been to Spain at all. Nope. So it's his first time. Although some the, the Catalans will say Barcelona is not Spain. Barcelona is Barcelona. Right, Barcelona. <laughs> and Catalonia is its own place. So how much time did you have pre-cruise in Barcelona? About a day and a half by the time we got okay. there. All right. So, I mean, Barcelona in a day and a half is kind of like trying to see New York City in a day and a half, I feel like. So like, you're going to hit the highlights. You're going to hit the highlights. Done, though. I mean, we we went through La Rambla um, on Saturday morning before we got on the ship. We went to the Picasso Museum. We did the Sagrada Familia. We did the Palace of Catalan Music, uh, which is Park incredible. Way. We did Park Way. We saw the outside of the different Gaudi houses and went into the gift shop of one of them. So I think you you could really get a great experience in Barcelona in and see a, pretty much all the main things, I would say, in like three days. So we yeah. really didn't get too much of a discounted, if you will, experience in the time we were there. The good thing about all uh, these major European cities is once you get to them, most of it is walkable or they have great public transportation systems that you can use to get around and see things. And so the hardest part for us as Americans is getting over there to Europe. But once you can get into these cities, uh, it's very easy to get around and see a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. How did you figure out what to do? In Barcelona, you, you, I know you mentioned on the show we just recorded with you about your your med cruise that you're big Rick Steves fans. Is that where you found most of your information on what to do in Barcelona, or Haley, do you rely on a you know your prior experience there? A little of both, but we we definitely did buy the Rick Steves Barcelona book. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So we we did that, and you know he's got like really detailed itineraries, like you know spend this amount of time here because I'm the kind of person who reads like every plaque in the museum. 
So I need the guardrails to tell me like, you really should only spend two hours at this place. Like, Mm -hmm. or you will be dragging me away. And I'm like, but I haven't read all the things. That's really helpful. And Rick Steves, for example, is how we found out that the Picasso Museum is free on Thursdays. Oh, cool. So we got free tickets to the to the Picasso Museum. And we did pay like an extra 10 euros for the audio guide, which was nice just because I find that I go faster through the museum if I have the audio guide instead of just like being left to my own devices to read everything. Yeah, she really? look at the things the audio guide tells her. <laughs> it limits it. Everything. But maybe not at the Harry Potter studio tour. No, we so. ran out of time. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll touch we'll on that, that later. But, yeah. but I think my, my big takeaway from the Picasso Museum was just like how talented he was from an early age. There's a mm-hmm. self-portrait that he did at 15 that is just like insane. It's it's a, it's a masterwork in itself. And it's like not even something you see mentioned or associated with him. And it's oh. incredible. And there's this one whole room where he liked this one painting so much that he did it like 450 times or something. He created variations of this one painting. And it's a painting like by somebody else. It's a painting by, I think, Velasquez. And he just was like, I'm going to riff on this. I'm going to spend four months riffing on this. Yeah. Wow. And he just did it over and over. And he had a command of so many different styles of art. And you hear about the cubism because that's what he like kind of pioneered and is famous for. But he's really incredibly talented in so many different forms of painting and drawing. And I just had no idea until we went to the museum. So that was really, really cool. Yeah, it definitely gave us a much deeper appreciation for him and his work. Yeah. So that was the only thing we did on our arrival day because we didn't get into Barcelona until like two. 30 or something. So we went and had some lunch and had some paella for lunch. And then we went to the museum after we'd gotten checked into our hotel. And then we had dinner after. And in Barcelona and in Spain in general, like lunchtime is like one o'clock is like old person early lunch. So it's really like <laughs> one to 3 p.m. is lunchtime. And then dinner time, old person early is like 9 p.m. So it's really a difficult transition if you're an American coming from our time zone and we eat like at 6 p.m. at home. So that was an adjustment for the stomach, you know, in eating at those hours of the day. So that, that that's something to be aware of if you're going to Spain for the first time and you don't know that. And then the next day we woke up and we went to the Palace of Catalan Music. And I'll let Drew talk about that because I feel like I've been talking a lot. Yeah, it's honestly, I think, a hidden gem. Like, I, I, I had never heard of it before we went. I think we found it through Rick Steves. It was one of his things that he recommended. And we went, and it's incredible. It's like this music hall that the people built. They There was this choir back in the either late 1800s, early 1900s. This choir had gained a lot of like fame and popularity there in the town of Barcelona. And so mm-hmm. the, the people gave all this money to build this Palace of Catalan Music. And so they... It's absolutely incredible inside. They have this skylight that is beautiful. And if if you're standing below it and looking up, it looks flat. And it just looks like a big, giant stained glass skylight. But if you get up on the second level and are looking at it, it's actually three-dimensional. And it's like coming into the room. Oh, cool. um, It looks really cool. cool. And the whole thing is in... The style of like Gaudi, that art. Uh, it wasn't Gaudi who did it. It was a different architect, yes. but it's that, the Catalan modernism, the Art Nouveau style. Yeah. And we'll have to give you guys some pictures of that too, but it was it was stunning. And like Drew said, a hidden gem. We did an English tour of it 
um, which I recommend the tour because you can get closer to the stage mm-hmm. than if yeah. you go just on your own. Yeah, there's certain areas we could only get into because we took the stage through the, the Palace of Catalan Music and it wasn't very expensive. I want to say like 10 or 15 euros. And there was only yeah. like five or six of us on the tour. And so it was uh, really nice, a great experience. And you got to go right up to the stage and they've got beautiful tile work and statues and mosaics. And it was just great. And I would highly recommend going. And you can tile. actually go see performances there. Yes. It's a working concert venue. So oh, that's cool. They, they have like a modern hall right next to it that's basically named the same thing. So the tour guide told us, she was like, if you want to come see a show here, make sure you book the right one, not the like, <laughs> super modern hall that's uh, in the building next to it, but this one. Yeah, right. right. Like, the, like the Sala Principal or something. I can't remember what they call it. Yeah. But there's one of them is like the main venue. And then they have like, I think it's in the basement, actually, yeah. like a smaller, more intimate, more modern venue that is cool for what it is, but it's not what you're trying to, to see. Right. It's not like you're just going to like a regular concert venue in the yeah. States or something. And, yeah. Rick Steve said that the Palace of Catalan Music has the best modernisme interior in Barcelona. And I, I, I don't know what to top it after we saw it. It was awesome. And yeah, so from there we went and we did a little walking tour to see a lot of the Gaudi and other Art Nouveau style uh, houses along the street. So that was neat. We got to walk. This down. was like a Rick Steves walking tour. Like we just, I just was pulling out the guidebook and reading about it. Too true. Oh, cool. Narrating. So free. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't free. It cost you what the fifteen or twenty dollars for that yeah, guide, that yeah. book. Yeah. 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 But then, then uh, we did that to basically kill time before we got to go into the Sagrada Familia. I had been before. Drew had not. But I was like, if we do one thing in Barcelona, we're doing this. We have this. to. Yeah. And not only because it's like the thing that you do, but because it truly is incredible. Like the stained glass in there, I'm obsessed with it. We bought a window cling that is one of the stained glass windows from the Sagrada Familia because and it's like above our kitchen sink now. Oh, fun. I love it so much. It's still under construction. So yes. they had completed things that were not complete the last time she was there just a few <laughs> years ago. There's like whole towers that didn't exist when I was there in 2011. Isn't the thing with uh, Sagrada Familia that's like finished. it's never going to be finished? Well, it's supposed to be finished in 2026 for the centennial of the death of Antony Gaudi. COVID, I think, has set them back a bit. So I'm not <laughs> sure if they're still going to make the timeline or not. But we did um, get to go up in one of the elevators and uh, to in one of the, the towers. We went up in the Nativity Tower, so we got to see that. And we did an English to- a guided tour in English of the Sagrada Familia. So there's an audio guide that you can do if you don't do the guided tour, but you definitely want to have someone telling you about it because mm-hmm. I think you appreciate it more when you can like compare the Nativity facade where it's just like much more ornately decorated to the passion facade, which is like the story of the crucifixion of Christ. And like the architecture on that side is more sparse because it want, they want it to make you think of bones and death, which is really cool. And then inside the stained glass on the eastern side of the building is more warm colors because that's where the sun rises. And then on the other side, it's more blues and greens where the sun sets. So like nighttime, as night is falling, it's more cool colors. And that's also the side that faces the ocean rather than the mountains. The mountains oh, yeah. are on the side that where the sun rises and the ocean's on yeah, the other side. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so yeah. it's there's a lot of cool stuff like that that you wouldn't necessarily... Just know if you, by going in on your own without any kind of guidance. Rick Steves also has a tour of the Sagrada Familia in his book. 
I promise that we are not affiliate partners of Rick Steves. We do not. (laughs) (laughs) But he might want to sponsor you. He might want to, you know. He might want to pay us for the four times we're we're on your podcast talking about this stuff. Right. He might want to help subsidize your trip, your next trip to Europe. If only, if only. But yeah, so Sagrada Familia, just you got to do it. It's amazing. And it's the, the, the stained glass in there too is really different than a lot of other churches in Europe. Because it's not actually telling stories from the Bible. It's more right. like just colors and colors and shapes. And so it's it's different than a lot of the other ones that you see. And it was done in like the 1900s instead of like the 1400s and things yeah. like that. So it's got a little bit more of a modern feel to it. Yeah, it's just it's different. And it's really, really cool. And like I said, I'm a little, just a little obsessed with it. I may or may not have also bought earrings with the stained glass. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And from there we went to Park Gway, which is a, a park. It was actually intended to be like a planned community for like rich people. And Gaudi was going to build all these houses and things in this park for like a lot of rich people. And they ended up only building, I think, two or three houses. And the project just kind of fell apart. And I think he started other things like the Sagrada Familia and things like Mm -hmm. that. And so the plan never came to fruition. But you do have this. Now it's a nice, beautiful park with these like two or three Gaudi inspired houses, one of which is the one he lived in for most of his life. And so it was really cool to go there, see the architecture. And there's this real nice, like kind of open plaza where you can walk around and there's benches in his art style all around that you can sit at. And at the far end, uh, the plaza kind of looks over the city of Barcelona. And so it's a very nice viewpoint that you can go up and take pictures at and things like that. So Very cool. Well, I know at the tail end of the cruise, you all visited one of our favorite cities to visit, London, and actually got up to some of our favorite things to do in London. Um, (laughs) But I noticed that uh, one thing I wanted to ask about in the beginning is you all stayed in, I think you called it a pod hotel. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, we, we, I wouldn't know where they stayed in Barcelona, though. We never asked. Oh, we stayed in a place called, it was like originally called Hotel Redding Chroma. I think now it's called Cozy and Chic Redding, Hotel Redding or something. I think they rebranded. Um, it was one of the ones that Rick Steves recommended, but it's a very quick walk to La Rambla, which is like one of the main tourist strips with stuff to look at. Um, we went to the one of the markets off of La Rambla on Saturday morning before the cruise, and we didn't talk about that, but Drew had a really delicious fruit juice that he is very excited about. Yeah, that they were fr- squeezing fresh there. But yeah, that, so we stayed a couple blocks from La Rambla. No, yeah, it was, it was a good location. So this pod hotel, I was a little bit nervous going into it as we've covered on other things. I'm not a small man. And so I was a little nervous when you hear pod hotel and, and you're a big guy, you're like, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, because like the, the the basic room there is just like very, very small. Like the idea it's is like... It's a cool. closet with a double bed in it and a shower, um, yeah. you know. But we got, we got the bigger room, which I think I'm almost certain that our cabin on the Disney ship was bigger than our hotel room there. And that was <laughs> the bigger room. Uh, you can, in fact, walk all the way around the bed. Yes, the that was, that's what institute consti- uh, makes a bigger room. The other right. one, the bed is just against the wall and you have to just lay on it. This you have to climb across it. Around. Yeah. You've got like a foot on each side. I've stayed in a hotel in New York that was like that, where you could barely, you could like just barely get around the bed and that was it. It was big enough for the bed and then it had like a tiny little bathroom. Yeah. 
it served our purpose, but it's definitely not a St. Ermans. No, it was at the same tube stop as St. Ermans. And let me tell you, we spent less than 500 pounds total for three nights. Wow. Wow, wow. Yeah. So you had a great location for a really good budget price for London. I mean, London is an expensive city. Uh, What they're talking about, for those who are listening, the the St. Armand's Hotel is the hotel that we and Drew and Haley and Haley's parents stayed at before and after our cruise, actually not after for you guys, but before and after our cruise out of Dover and, you know, the Norway, the Norway cruise. And it's a beautiful hotel. It's in a great neighborhood. And so, but it is a pricey hotel. It's affiliated with the Marriott um, properties. Uh, We we were sad. We weren't staying in St. Ermans, but it was literally like 800 pounds a night. So it was not going to be, that was a non-starter. We found out they were having a big bike race and something called uh, Hub London while we Mm. were there, which is basically, that was the Saturday that we were there. They shut down a bunch of the streets in London and you can just ride your bikes and walk all over the place, which was incredible for us because we could just walk and go wherever we wanted, didn't have to worry about traffic and things. Which is really nice in London because you're always worried you're looking the wrong way. When you're like trying to figure out where the cars are coming from, you know, they've got the pavement labeled so that you know what direction to look because they know so many people are coming (laughs) from countries that drive on the right and not the left. Right. Because everyone from mainland Europe drives on the right like we do. We do. Pretty much every other place in in the world, as far as I know. Um, Australia. Yeah, yeah, except Australia, New Zealand, and then there's some other former British colonies in like Africa that also drive on the left. Yeah. But the the Hub Hotel, so it's it's Hub by Premier Inn. So Premier Inn is like a chain hotel brand in the United Kingdom. And they've only got like these little pod hotels, the Hub Hotels in London and like a couple in Edinburgh. But they do have, um, there's one in, I think Covent Garden is one of the other ones. And that was, we wanted to stay in that one because it was like right in the heart of the theater district, but it was already full. So we were like, oh, but this other one's like right where St. Ermans is. So that'll work fine. We know that's a good, a good location, very convenient to things. We had to make our own bed. We could not figure out the fitted sheet. So we ended up sleeping in it more like a little weird sleeping bag situation. So, you know, there's some quirks to it. And the other quirk to it is that there's like a control panel, like a touchscreen control panel that governs like the lights and the air conditioning and everything. And if you want the light on, it has to be on in the bathroom part and the bedroom part at the same time. Like there's oh, that's annoying. Eight. There's only like three settings for the lights. So you just yeah. got to pick one of those settings and whatever lights are on or on. There's like a low light setting, which basically just provides under counter lighting in the bathroom and that's it. So like if you wanted to leave that on, it's like a nightlight kind of deal, you could. Or if you need to turn something on to go to the bathroom in yeah. the middle of the night so exactly. you don't you know, you're not fall off a curb. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you're not like flooding the entire room with light. But you know, it was it was very close quarters. I, they they made an efficient use of space. They've got like a little desk area that you could work out if you needed to. There is a chair in there. There's like a little wardrobe area with hangers. So like they've, they've got a pretty efficient use of space, kind of like a cruise ship. You can put your luggage under the bed. It's not the lap of luxury. But if anyone listening to this is, you know, looking for a budget friendly option, I think it's a good one. They've got a breakfast that you can do a continental breakfast for like five pounds. Oh, wow. Something like that. This sounds like a great alternative to like a hostel, right? Like if you yeah. want a private yes. space, yes. You, like th- the thing I don't like about hostels is, is the lack of privacy, right? And mm-hmm. so if you want a private space, but you want something that's budget friendly, it sounds like this is yeah. a very yeah. good it's option. Exactly Definitely the way to is. go. It's it's like a hostel, but grown up for grown ups who need some space. 
Well, let's let's talk about the goings on in London or what you got up to in London. So you you get off the ship. You're are you ported in uh, you're ported in Barcelona and you're flying. Um, Right. You're not. This doesn't this ship didn't port in uh, in Dover like we did. We got off and immediately got in a taxi, went straight to the airport. We did cabanas on departure morning. We did cabanas instead of our like dedicated breakfast. Because we wanted to do walk off and have the first uh, get off early because we had second dinner. Our dining time was later. So we got off. We got on the plane. We flew to London. By the time we got there, it was time to check in for our hotel. So we went straight to our hotel. We got checked in, dropped off our luggage. Then we went went to to dinner. Yeah, we went to dinner. I, I just looked on Yelp or something. I think I was looking for restaurants near the Globe Theater because we went to the Globe Theater for a show that night. And I found this pasta restaurant that did, did handmade pasta and you could join the queue virtually. So that was nice. So we went to that and had some delicious pasta, some burrata, and it was great. Then we went to see the Comedy of Errors at the Globe Theater, which was cool. We, we saw The Tempest at the Globe when we were, went on our Norway cruise extravaganza in September of 2022. So this was not our first time seeing a show at the Globe. It was my first time seeing a comedy of errors. So that was was a fun experience. Yeah, I definitely think if you like theater or Shakespeare, you've got to see a show at the Globe. It's just, you know, rite of passage. We haven't been there when Macbeth or something else is playing, but I honestly would probably prefer to see the comedies anyway. They're more entertaining. And you don't have to be able to comprehend every word of Old English to understand the plot. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's mostly a lot of sex jokes and things in the comedies. I, I was my other major was English. My two majors English and Spanish. So you learn how to identify Elizabethan sex jokes, and it's just a, it's still it's a, no purpose in any other context. But um, no, that was fun. And by that time, we were like, okay, it's time for bed. So we went went back and went to sleep. Um, and the next day, we woke up and we went to just grab some breakfast somewhere. Crumpets, which is near Saint, the St. Ermans, um, was not open, unfortunately. So we did not get to eat any crumpets on this trip. Oh, bummer. You have to stick to your your um, Trader Joe's crumpets then, I guess. I at know, home. I will. I will. <laughs> I've had those too. I'll have to look out for yeah, them. Yeah, we ended up just stopping at like a Pret or something like that. Something quick, but we uh, we went to the National Gallery because we didn't hit that up last time when we were in London and Drew had not been. And I love going to art museums with Drew because he was in like the National Art Honor Society in high school and he really appreciates art. And I love just like listening to him tell me what he likes about different paintings. It's just really fun. So I wanted him to see like the Van Gogh sunflowers and there's lots of Monet in the National Gallery and all that. Oh, yeah. So, we went and did that for maybe like an hour and a half or so. And then we had a Sunday roast for lunch at a place called Sophie's Soho. Yeah. We ate at last time, but it's a great place to get your traditional, you know, beef, rump roast, Sunday roast with the Yorkshire pudding and the roasted vegetables, including the parsnips. So I'll put in a plug for two other spots that we love to get Sunday roast dinner at. So for, if you're headed over to London, uh, two spots we love. One is one we've been to several times, which is the Mayflower Pub, which is really far off the beaten path. Just to prepare folks, you have to take the tube over to an overland train into kind of a, you know, just like a little suburban neighborhood. And they've got a bar right on the Thames called the, the Mayflower Pub. It's supposedly the site that the Mayflower departed from, but they have a fabulous Sunday roast uh, dinner that we've enjoyed. They have a fabulous 
sort of dinner there upstairs. And it's a traditional pub downstairs with some outdoor seating and closed outdoor seating because it's London. Uh, they also do pub trivia there, uh, Drew really? and Neely. So yeah, so another another spot to add to your list. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the second spot is when we discovered this last trip, we were looking for a Sunday roast dinner after getting back into London because we realized we had enough time to get dinner uh, the evening we got back. And we found a spot called the Harwood Arms. Again, a little off the beaten path, but it turned out to be, it was like a Michelin starred restaurant, wasn't it, Sam? It was Yeah, it was like a gastro pub that did its own version of like a roast dinner. So it was a little more upscale and quite delicious. I mean, both are both are fantastic options. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of if you want to if you're open to a little bit of a higher end twist on the Sunday roast type dinner, which yeah. was yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. 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 Sophie Soho is conveniently located in the middle of, of everything. So if you have yeah. room to go to one of Brian and Sam's suggestions, that's awesome. Yeah. Plus it's, you can do a lunch. I mean, a lot of the places don't do lunch as yeah. the full roast meal as lunch. A lot of them only do it as dinner. Which is helpful. And they like, they've got this gigantic like grill that they're doing the meats on in the restaurant. Yum. So um, it's really good. We, we, we went there on our last trip too. And I knew it was a, really like a 10 minute walk from the National Gallery. So super convenient to do that. And then I'm going to let Drew talk about what else he did on Sunday, because this was really for him. Would you like a chance to sail with the DCL Duo? Well, we have an opportunity for you. That's right. Next June is going to be our first ever inaugural DCL Duo podcast cruise. And we have a fun lineup of stuff on its way for that sailing. We're going to be on the magic for a three-night Bahamian sailing out of Fort Lauderdale on June 19th next year, 2024, with a stop at Lighthouse Point, one of the first sailings to go to Lighthouse Point. We are so excited to welcome all of you you, our listeners and fans out there to join us on this sailing. We've got some special things we want to do, including potentially an onboard recording of the podcast, which will just be so much fun. If you are interested in sailing with us, we would love to meet you. We always love to meet and interact with our listeners. So if you're interested, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. That's mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. Let them know you're interested in this sailing. We have a room block reserved, which means you've got opening day pricing locked in for some of our remaining rooms. So head over there, check it out. We'd love to see you on board with that. Thanks to My Path Unwinding Travel for sponsoring the show. And now back to the episode. Yes, this was the thing that I was really looking forward to. I am a huge soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, fan. I've grown (laughs) up playing it, loved it my whole life. And so I've always wanted to see a game in England, in Europe, see the Premier League. It's always been a dream. And and I'm personally an Arsenal supporter because when you're a little kid, what do you pick your favorite team by? That team's got a cannon. That's a great reason to pick yeah. your favorite <laughs> league team, you know? Uh, so I've cheered for them since I was little. And so we... I cheer for the Greyhounds. I just want to put that out there. The Richmond Greyhounds, exactly. But we actually got the opportunity on Sunday afternoon, it was the final day of the league season. So every oh. team plays together at the same time all around the country. So and fun. We are season ticket members to Charlotte FC, an MLS team here in the U.S. Charlotte FC has broken attendance records, does amazing things. We're, we've done a really good job. It still is like nothing compared to <laughs> in Europe, in their stadiums. Everyone's chanting. Everyone's singing. 
it's just like in a completely different atmosphere getting to go to this stadium and see this game. And we won five to nothing, which made it even better. Oh. So I it was it's definitely was one of the highlights of the entire trip for me. Probably one of the highlights of like my life or, you know, the last year because it was just such an incredible experience, something I've dreamed about doing for so long. And to actually get to be there and see them win and it was just unbelievable i couldn't even like do a lot of the cheers and things because i was like overwhelmed with emotion being there and seeing it now did you also get to buy like a a jersey while you were there you probably had a jersey but i already had and bought a new one so (laughs) at least next year's jerseys like the week we were on the cruise and so i went there and bought the brand new jersey and got haley one as well so yeah, of course. We, we we did do that and yeah, it was it was really really cool. It was because it was the last game of the season like the team came out and like spoke afterward and like they walked around to all four sides of the stadium so that everybody could cheer for them. Like you know, the captain had things to say. It was so it was really really cool. We were crammed in like absolute sardines on the tube on the way back into the, you know, main touristy part of London, but yeah, that's really the most well crowded I've ever been on the tube because they were fitting every person humanly possible on every oh, yeah. one of the trains. And you had like, you know, 40, 50,000 people leaving a stadium. And they have two stations on each side of the stadium that usually service the game, but one of them was down. So everybody <laughs> was going to the one. And it's their Arsenal's the only team with a tube station named after the team. Yeah, so yeah. cool. So it. It was like Drew's Super Bowl or something, you it know. Was great, I loved it like, so much. And you rounded out your evening with what the uh, the British like to call a proper curry. Uh, yes. So uh, went to one of our favorite Indian spots, the Punjab restaurant. One of the, was it the oldest Northern Indian cuisine in London. So uh, a great spot for Indian dinner. And in, in our uh, in our opinion, uh, what did you guys think? Yes, we ended our night with a proper us, as we like to say. Our last yeah. name is Curry. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so I uh, didn't, it didn't even occur to me, <laughs> Drew, but that makes sense. I mean, it's really cute. I love it. So we we loved the Punjab. We went there back in September, and uh, so we had to go back get some cheese naan. That's the thing that I feel like really stands out there. Of course, their Indian food is great, but the cheese naan is not something we can get anywhere around here. So that was always a highlight, and we look forward to it. And we love the Punjab. Yeah, luckily we did not have to wait very long to get in. Um, especially it's a party of two. So, you know, everybody always talks about Dishoom and I still want to try Dishoom sometime because it it does look great, but it was really nice to just be able to walk right in and, uh, or, you know, maybe wait like 10 or 15 minutes, but that wasn't bad. So yeah, you see Dishoom always has like, you know, an hour plus wait. Exactly. And just so folks don't think that we're sending them to a like a divey place that doesn't have like there there's usually a line at the Punjab. It just moves pretty quickly because it's a big restaurant. Um, Yeah, they've got a lot of of space in there. And with only two of us, there's a lot of rooms, tables for like two. If you're a bigger family, there was a much bigger line for like four, five, six people than there was the two people line. So And we know in your last day in London you did two things that are Sam's favorite things to do. One is the Harry Potter studio tour. So want to talk folks about about, uh, this is basically my perfect day. I just want to tell you, like <laughs> your last day in London, the only the only thing that would have made it better, and it's not possible to do this and also do the Harry Potter studio tour. The only addition would be going to Fortnum and Mason for tea. But <laughs> literally, other than that, this is like my perfect day in London. 
We did do the the Warner Brothers Studios tour, the making of Harry Potter. It's like a Disney attraction. It has like a long name with a colon in the middle. So you know <laughs> what I mean, business. But um, that was, I mean, we are millennials. So we grew up on Harry Potter. I went to midnight release book parties in like high school for... Same, but in college, Haley. Same. Yes. But- so, you know, it's it's a formative part of my life and Andrew's life. We didn't get to do it on our last trip because my parents were with us and my mom likes Harry Potter. My dad could not care less. So we weren't <laughs> going to force him. Although we did end up going to the Cursed Child, uh, parts one and two back in the fall. So my dad just like wandered around by himself and was very happy to do it after all of the organized tours. We took a bus tour through Golden Tours that took us up to... To, then we met at the, like right across from the Victoria Coach Station, and it took us up to the studios tour, and we had like three hours mm, probably more like four or five maybe one. it's usually four so that it's actually what the because the ticket is it's technically a four-hour ticket okay and we, we did buy the audio guide there was no way we were going to make it through all of the audio guide material yep. so if you're like me and you're like a, an a plus student and you're like but i need to do all the things uh you're gonna be really disappointed it's really if you yeah get the audio guide because like it's got some cool stuff it's got like video interviews with people and that's really neat but you're not going to be able to get through all of it. And then it's going to stress you out that you didn't get through all of it. So I think you can probably skip it um, unless you have like more time there than we had. Yeah, but- I, I don't want to get into specifics and spoil some of the things you get to see because there's some like some of the sets that you get to walk on and see and reveals are really cool and and pretty special. And so, but it was incredible to see like all these things you've seen in the movies and things like that and get to actually walk through some of them and see a lot of the ones. Uh, and, and I really liked um, some of the things that I really liked was the, the creature shop where you get to see yeah. how they made all the different creatures and made a move and things like that. And then also the scale models, some of the scale oh, yeah. models of uh, the things that they built uh, in giant were were pretty impressive and incredible. So those are cool. The details about some of the magic, quote unquote, magic things that happen that you get to see, it was spectacular. And if you're a fan in any way, I definitely think it's worth the time to get out there and get back uh, to be able to see it. Definitely, I agree. It really does take up most of the day because of the drive to and from London. Yeah. Um, but it is well worth it. It's a really cool experience. For I agree with you guys though. If you're not a Harry Potter fan at all. Don't do it. You'll think it's a waste of the day. But if you are at all a Harry Potter fan, it's fantastic. It's just an incredible experience. And it's, I agree, it's not long enough. You don't have enough time. And that's just by virtue of what the ticket is. It really is a four hour ticket. So, frankly, for somebody like me and probably you guys too, I, I could have spent, I could have spent 10 hours there yeah. and I probably still wouldn't have seen everything. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Um, there's only one place to buy butterbeer and it is at the cafe that is right in the middle. Yep. And there's like a special butterbeer only line, but they don't take card. They only take no. cash. So That's if weird. you are wanting multiple butterbeers, but you don't want to wait in the long line that also includes food, but the one that you can pay by credit card, take some some cash, which we did not have. So we that had you some euros, but we didn't grab any pounds because we were like, we're not going to yeah. need any. And-, and we're only going to be there for a couple of days. And, you know, there's not much tipping that happens in the UK. So it's not like, and we were staying in this cheap hotel, so we weren't going to have a bellhop to, to, to pay or anything mm-hmm. like that. So we were like, but we the, don't need But the butterbeer ice cream was fantastic. The butterbeer ice cream is better than the butterbeer drink, yes. in yeah. my opinion. And I will say too, that if you are a person who does not foresee being able to make it to London anytime soon, 
honestly, a lot of what they've done in Universal Studios or Universal Orlando is really, really good. A really Mm -hmm. good facsimile, we'll say, of what they have at the studio tour. So some of the sets, I was like, I've been here in Florida. Like, (laughs) it, it was like less exciting because they did such a great job at Universal. So a plug for Universal, well done to them because their lands are really fantastic. Uh, for yeah. and, and you don't have to travel I have to agree Disney. with you I mean it's 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 not a Disney product but uh, the Harry Potter world in, at Universal Orlando is is pretty incredible yeah uh, I mean I, th- I would put that up against basically any place at Walt Disney World not the whole yeah. park just that section well you rounded out your day by seeing Back to the Future the musical which I will say I am not the biggest Broadway person, as Sam knows, and as most of our listener knows, but oh man, did we love Back to the Future the Musical. So what did you all think about Back to the Future the Musical? It was fantastic. Yeah, I loved it. The songs, the music were all great choices. And I feel like, you know, they changed the story enough in the right ways to make it approachable mm-hmm. from a musical stance. And so that was a, a great job. And uh, the DeLorean, I won't go into the DeLorean. <laughs> But the DeLorean is just like how it works in the show is incredible. It's so um, good. And, and I, seeing it, I, I'm a big advocate of seeing shows in theaters that are built out for them. Like mm-hmm. last fall, we saw Moulin Rouge in London, and they actually have the giant windmill built in yep. the theater. Here, they have all these special effects that you're not going to get anywhere else. With yep. like when it comes on tour and things, we're seeing it in Charlotte when it comes on tour, but it's not going to have those. It's special- not going to. It will have some special effects, but it probably will not have the level of special effects that it has in London or that it will have in New York. Because in New York, it's going to be, I think, at the Winter Garden Theater, I'm not mistaken, which is where Cats was for many, 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 many years. I'm assuming they're going to fully build it out like they did for the London yeah, with show. the lights coming into the theater. And the screens. And yeah, yeah. it's just... Hopefully yeah. they have the screens on tour, but we can report back yeah, at at least we can report back in the Facebook group for anyone who cares. The, the DCL Duo podcast Facebook group, shameless plug. Um, Thank you. We love it. Yeah. Uh, so we can report back about that. But we'll, we're also seeing Milan Rouge on tour. But yes, great show. Incredible. The cast was phenomenal. Um, I really appreciated that the songs were like 95 plus percent original songs mm-hmm. for the show. Drew and I are not as big on the jukebox musical format because I feel like you have to shoehorn like the plot around the songs that you want to use. Yep. And I don't feel like that serves the story well most of the time. I like that they wrote songs for this show to be able to tell the story the right way. But the the energy of the of the actor who played Marty McFly was just perfection. Perfect. The energy of Doc Brown was also perfection. So good. Um, George McFly also perfection. Yes. Like yeah. just it was just so good. It just I, so much joy coming from both of us watching it. We had the best time. Um, highly recommend it. And like Drew said, there's some really amazing technical theater things. I'm also a theater geek. So there's some really amazing like stagecraft that happens that we won't spoil, but it's just, just go see it. If you can go see it, see it in New York, see it in London, see it in the city near you. Just see the, see the musical. It's great. Yeah. If you like, the if you like the movie at all, you have to see the music. Yes. That's how I feel about it, Drew. It's like, is it, does it beat, um, you know, Hamilton or come from away? No. But if you like this movie, like you are going to really enjoy this musical. Like it's just really fun. It's just a fun, enjoyable experience. Yeah. Fun is a great way to put it. Like, is it the deepest show out there? No. Is it like, you know, 
the artistic merit of it? Are they going to be writing about it in the history books? Maybe not. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) Are you going to have an absolute blast? Yes, you will. Totally. Totally. Well, Drew, Haley, thank you so much for spending some additional time with us today to talk about your pre and post cruise stays in Barcelona and London. We really, really appreciate you sharing the experience with all of our listeners. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and and I, I bet the kickbacks from Rick Steves are coming to you soon. Yes, we'll hoping, <laughs> hoping. Maybe that's the name of the episode. Is like I don't know, honorary Rick Steves affiliates or something. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, we really truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.